Hey guys, welcome back to the Solutions by Southwest Utility Podcast. I am so excited to continue our Tell Me Your Story series. Uh, today we have uh, such a cool industry leader on the podcast, Mr. Tony Souza, who is going to share his story with us. We've got a really powerful topic that I'm excited to talk about. It's one of my favorite topics internally, uh, professionally, personally, and that is how do you make sure that you've got the right people on the right bus in the right seat? How do you make sure that um, you've got the right people in the right places? And so that is what our conversation today um, will be about. But before we dive into that good stuff, I want to give Tony an opportunity to introduce himself, uh, tell you guys his story, share with you his background, um, and just we'll spend a few minutes getting to know him. He's been in the industry for 15 years, which is absolutely incredible. So um, without any further ado, Tony, uh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I actually thought you were about to say 50 years and uh, made me really nervous there, but I'm glad it's only been 15. That's funny. Yeah. 15 years is an incredible track record, <laughs> Tony. I mean, truly, that is a, what a journey. I started, I started when I was just five. So, you know, so. Got it. Just, just five. Kidding. Perfect. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So tell us who you are, <laughs> Tony. Who is the man behind the audio today? What's your story? Who are you? Hey. What drives you? Yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. Uh, my name's Tony, as you've mentioned. Uh, and yeah, I've been in multifamily for 15, about 15 years. I've had a chance to be in all positions uh, leading up to the position I'm in as a regional manager with Embry Management. Um, and you know, I, I have an interesting story that got me here. Uh, I was a broadcaster. I was an actor. I was a teacher. I was, uh, I was a caterer. I was a limousine driver. Uh, I did a lot of things, um, because I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Right. The, the question, what do you want to do when you grow up, Tony? And I, and I still try to ask myself that question. And now it's become, what do you want to do in multifamily as you continue to, um, you know, grow and learn and impact and, and, um, and so, yeah, I've had an interesting road to get here. Uh, I've enjoyed the ride. Uh, I'm excited for the ride ahead and uh, trying to live uh, in the moment uh, of the current ride. So, um, yeah, just trying to take, take things, all things into perspective and, and trying to uh, learn from the experiences that uh, I face on a daily basis. Love that. So how did you end up in multifamily with such a, a crazy background and it feels very diverse? How'd you end up here? Uh, you know, as an actor, I uh, was living at a property uh, and I, the, my current wife, uh, 15 years coming up, um, I, we were engaged, I believe at the time, and I needed to save some money on rent and because I had a wedding that I had to pay for. And so uh, I had other actor buddies that I'm like, hey, how about, and, I, and let me tell you, Caroline, uh, I was sharing a bedroom uh, with this roommate. Okay. So that, that doesn't happen that often these days, but let me tell you in Los Angeles, you do anything to save some money. So you have a flexible schedule. So, um, <laughs> and, and he's still actually a good buddy of mine, a uh, very close, uh, good, good pal, but, um, so saving a lot of money, but then I started working at uh, the leasing office where I lived. And of course, you know, I got a, uh, customary 20% discount and that applied to my, you know, 500 bucks a month I was paying. So I was like, yes, this is like $200 now. Um, all my, all my, all my money from waiting tables and, 
and teaching and driving a limousine and doing a whole bunch of odd jobs can now go towards paying for a beautiful wedding. And, and so that's what I did. And that's how I got started. And, um, and, and I realized pretty quickly um, I can be pretty persuasive on the sales floor. And, um, and, uh, and so I, you know, went to Barnes and Noble when, when, you know, for the kids watching, uh, there's no kids watching, but for the kids watching, Barnes and Noble is, uh, is a, a bookstore. Uh, think of Amazon, but with, uh, as a building with actual books. And, uh, and I went there and, uh, I, I purchased leasing and leadership books and anything about property management. I still may have some of those, um, probably property management for dummies. I should probably still read some of those, but, um, uh, you know, I learned to learn, learned on how the art of selling and connecting and making relationships. So, um, I'd like to think, you know, I know what I'm doing a bit there now, um, without too much forethought, but back then I was learning and, and, you know, I was excited to learn. What is your favorite leadership book that you read looking back? Do you have one? Hmm. Um, you know, probably the one that's, you know, a couple of years ago that probably made the biggest, you know, a biggest impact in me. And then the pandemic, you know, changed my thoughts on some things, not politically, just, just shattered some, like, I think proverbial glass ceilings for me. But the book uh, that I really enjoyed as a, as a leader was uh, Radical Candor. Um, mm. uh, if you've read it, uh, you understand that you know being honest and being very direct is, for me, it's a love language that I can express to others, both my family, which, of course, my wife is like, can you be less honest, please? Um, but... Um, and so I got to get better about that. But, um, but for my teams... Uh, uh, my love language to them to help them is to be as honest as I possibly can uh, in, in the most um, positive, constructive and polite way. I love that. I have not read Radical Candor, but I have so many colleagues who have recommended it. And so I might just read it now that you've said it one more time. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's another good book, uh, Doug Conant, um, I think I'm saying his name right, former CEO, Campbell Soup CEO, it's called Touchpoints. Um, it really kind of argued that the touchpoints with our individuals and our teams is the work, right? Um, we, we really, I think, sometimes get really married to the tasks um, of, of the work. And it's good to be good at them um, and to be able to do a whole bunch of them. Um, but uh, the touch points, the human touch points, the customer touch points is the work, especially as a leader. Um, those that is the work. And so that also is another book that uh, as a young leader helped form my leadership perspective. Love that. How how did you effectively, I guess, and I, and I think it's a dance we're all still trying to learn. Right. But how do you effectively communicate to your team like this is my leadership style. This is my love language. This is how you can best um, communicate with me. This is how I want to communicate with you. But is that a good way to communicate with you, or is this a good way to lead with you? Lead you. Um, how do you? How do you? You? I guess learn that dance as a leader. Um, it all starts with the interview process, right? Uh, it all starts in sourcing the right candidates. Um, and then I think really going through that process in a really sort of open and honest way and letting them know, you know, this is who I am as a person, but this is also who I am as a leader. Um, and also ask them probing questions about how they best perform under what type of feedback or communication or guidance. 
And it gives you a little bit of insight. It kind of gives you a starting point, I think. Um, and then I think as, 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 as a leader and as leaders, we should do more listening than talking. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, a lot of people, you know, Tony, you do a lot of talking. Um, um, I'd like to think I, I'm a good listener too. Uh, mm-hmm. And especially in the interview process, uh, great interviewing, the key to great interviewing is listening. So. Love that. I, my personal mentor, um, it, you know, when he is asked by me or by any of the other people that he mentors, you know, best piece of professional advice, or, you know, what's the key to being successful or, you know, whatever other question you can come up <laughs> with about becoming the best version of you, the it's best. the best, right? Like qu- qualify best for me. What does that even mean? But, um, his answer is always stop talking right? Stop talking. Listen, listening is so close to love. Some people can't tell the difference and it's just powerful. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, uh, especially, and and this is the road that I'm on now as, as an emerging leader and confidence and self continues to grow, uh, which is exciting, but at the same time, you also have to remain uh, humble Mm -hmm. um, because you can start to believe your own, you know, BS, right? So, and and that can be a dangerous uh, road to go down, right? Of just sort of living on your own quotes to yourself, right? Um, you, you know, you need people around you to be like, uh, you know, for me, it, you know, obviously I have colleagues, uh, you know, I have uh, great supervisors and, and others, but, you know, for me, that comes often from my family, friends, and especially my family, my wife, uh, you know, that she reminds me <laughs> not to, uh, not to drink my own Kool-Aid too much. And, 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 and that's, <laughs> and that's good. That's you need to have a couple of people in your life that you respect greatly and you have a long relationship with, and you know that they're doing it. <laughs> they're doing it from a place of love and not yeah. a place of like, let me tear you down. Right. Or let me put you in your place or, you know, whatever they may be trying to do. My, my wife is my biggest fan. And, and I used to describe her when I was young in my career that, you know, she thought I could, do anything. I, I still think she thinks that, but uh, early on, I, I, I felt I walked, you know, into the office with a Superman you know, cape on uh, because of the support, you know, I got from her and a lot of other people early in my career. That's so, it's so, uh, it's powerful, right? Like, I think I'll probably say that a million times. It's powerful because um, having people in your circle that believe you, that want to lift you up, but also are not scared to hold you accountable, right? They're not scared to say, hey, like, it's time to sit down for a minute or well, hey, like, let's go, like, let's rock and roll. Yeah. And I, and I tell my teams and I mean, I tell my family and, and I've learned it myself. Um, uh, it's confidence is fragile. Um, if you lose it, it takes a little while to get it back. And, and, um, and sometimes people, some people don't ever get it back. Uh, I, I see it professionally sometimes when things just completely tsunami you, uh, whether it be myself or colleagues or, or associates I've had. My main goal, especially if they're one of my employees, my main goal is to protect their confidence in themselves. Uh, and I've had to do that a time or two, just to pull them out of the, the tsunami they just got hit by, check on them, literally check their vitals, maybe not literally, but just be like, are you okay? Um, and where are you bleeding? <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, like, where are you hurting? Where, what, what's going on? Is everything okay? And when you have a really good trusted relationship with your teams, 
they'll tell you I'm, I'm not okay. Right. And, and sometimes it comes with emotion um, or sometimes it comes guarded or you know, whatever. But, but if you have a good relationship with them and you ask them, are you okay? They'll tell you if they are or they're not. Right. And so as a leader, you know, going back to the listening point that we've made is, you know, are you genuinely listening? And, and often good communicators know it's not always the words they say, right? It's often either in the tone they use or, or more importantly, their body language, right? That's usually will be a great indicator if they're doing okay, right? Um, so, so again, those are just, you know, kind of derailed this a little bit, but those are just little nuances of, of team building and, and making sure the people on your bus are doing okay <laughs> and singing oh. and singing songs along the way on the bus uh, to the destination that we're going. No, I, I think it's, this is all good stuff. And, and um, you know, this is honestly the, the origin story of, of this podcast is just that, that they're just real raw conversations with people who have so much wisdom to share. And, and listen, we're here for the, dera- the derailment, right? Like we're good. We're good with that. Um, what do you think is uh, the main thing that's kept you in the multifamily industry for so long? Why have you not gone back to something else? You know, uh, early on in my career, I definitely did flirt with the idea of going back into television. Um, and, um, but I pretty early on, I, I had a colleague that, that said, you know, really encouraged me. He said, you know, I think this industry has, you have a lot to offer and you have a lot to, you know, that you can learn too. And, and I think the easy answer and probably the answer you get from most multifamily, you know, uh, associates and colleagues and, and uh, employees is, you know, it, it's, it's, um, it's so multifaceted, right? There's so much going on in this business, right? You're standing, you're sitting, you're getting yelled at, you're, you know, you're, you're making someone's day, um, you're processing invoices, you're solving the world's problems, uh, you're, you know, making someone's day, you're walking a pet, you know, whatever you're doing, and you're doing a lot of different things. And so, um, yes, I think that is what keeps us in this industry. I think that, that, that allows us to enjoy what we do. If you're not interested in, in, in helping somebody, you're in the wrong industry. This is at the core of what we do, customer service. Um, but um, I also felt this industry had a lot to teach me. But at the same time, I also felt um, I had a lot to offer. And so it felt like a good relationship. No, you're right. I mean, this is a people business. This is a people industry. And I, you know, I tell my customers this all the time, but I remind my team often that this is such an intimate industry. What we do at the end of the day, like on the resident side, right? We're affecting a core component of their lives, their homes. People are starting and raising families in these units that we're serving. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, the people who own the assets, this is their legacy for their family, right? For their children, for their grandchildren. And um, in so many ways, it, it is so deeply intimate for them. And if you're not, you know, conscious of that and you don't have the <laughs> awareness of that and, and, and uh, you know, can't successfully acknowledge it, then this is not the industry for you. This is a people business and customer service is what it's all about to your point. Um, what do you think makes leaders exceptional in multifamily? Assuming you've successfully stayed in the industry, um, what do you think really sets good leaders apart within it? Uh, you know, it's a good question. Uh, and I think the caveat that you you noted, you know, was in multifamily, obviously it's a multifamily podcast. 
Uh, I think exceptional leaders in multifamily are um, able to, I think, compartmentalize incredibly well. Um, you have to move from station to station to station to station to problem to problem to problem to problem and, and not allow one problem to trickle into the other. I mean, that's, that's probably what I do literally as an exercise, as a day job. Um, the only reason I get called in my position and obviously leaders and executives get called in their positions is to solve problems, right? Because uh, their associates or their employees don't have the resources or don't know what to do or just need some guidance, right? So that's often the only reason I'm called. Uh, and also residents may be upset about something or want to talk through something. You know, happy residents don't call me. Um, uh, and, and, and that's okay. I tell my teams all the time, I'd rather be the bad guy than the good guy because, you know, who am I? Some corporate guy. Um, and so, you know, my job is to empower you, but to answer your question, you know, what makes them good? I think compartmentalization is, is key, uh, mm-hmm. being able to be, um, I think, a, a, a jack of many trades, you know, you have to know a lot about a lot of things, um, and God forbid a mistake is made. Right. Um, but, you know, you have to know a lot about a lot. And so I think the greatest, you know, some of the best leaders know a lot about a lot of things, uh, both tacti- uh, tactically and then specifically in our industry uh, about the nuances of our business. Uh, and, and, you know, I learn something new every day from some of the great leaders that, that are around me. Um, and then I think ultimately, you know, you can't lose that. You described it as sort of an intimate you know, people business, it is that. Um, this industry, customer service can jade you really quickly. <laughs> and um, you get a couple, you know, customers that yell at you, you can, you can, um, you can really say, I don't think this is for me. Um, so you really have to, and I've encouraged a lot of my associates and, and, and my network of people to, to have a, a purpose and a mission. Because in the hard days, um, you'll need to go back to that and use that purpose as an anchor to realign uh, your perspective on why you're here. And, um, you know, throughout my career, I've had to do that quite a few times. So I think that's important for people to have a mission statement and a purpose uh, um, written down or posted or framed or or definitely very clear in their conscience of why they do what they do. Mm, Love that. And I would agree with you. I would agree with you. I think if you don't have a clear why or a, um, a reason for waking up every morning and, and going to the job that you spend, right, the majority of your day at, you spend more time with those people than you do your own family, then, you know, uh, a period of reflection might be very helpful to, to really get clear on why am I doing what I'm doing? What is the point, right? And, um, you know, I, I think it's also interesting when we think about that within a large organization or on site, right, with just an on site team, how we can um, inspire and motivate our teams as a whole to come up with, you know, a clear purpose, mission statement, core values as an operating unit. You know, like I think it's really important to have those personally, um, right? Like, I want to provide the best life ever for my kid and my husband, right? There's my way. But, but as a team here, you know, I think about Southwest Chili Solutions. Do we have a, a, a cohesive, clear, consistent, right? Consistency is key. Do we all 
understand and are we all driving with and on the same bus in terms of where are we going and why are we going there? You know? Right. Right. Now it's, it, if your team is not on the same page or they don't buy into where you're going, um, you know, you're going to have people falling out of the bus. You're going to have, you know, delays in the bus trip. You're going to have, you know, mechanical issues. Uh, I mean, you know, to use that metaphor to, to, to an endless you know, metaphor, um, you know, you know, you're going to have issues on that trip. Um, and so as a leader, you know, there's, there's different types of leaders, right? Um, I, I can't speak for everyone. I can speak for myself. You know, I'm a leader that believes strongly in a vision and, and, uh, and probably my ability to persuade uh, and convince people helps me. Um, and I do that, I try to do that with authenticity and, um, and, and, and detail and, artic- uh, and articulation. Mm-hmm. Um, about how we're going to get there. Today's workforce doesn't want to be rah-rah. Uh, I would argue 10, 20 years ago, it's like, come on, guys. Right. Um, uh, I found the workforce that I work with and and the generation of, of people that, that I oversee, which are becoming younger and younger, um, they don't want the rah-rah guys. Um, that feels cliche to them. It feels dated. It, it, feels, um, it feels hollow. Um, and so I've challenged myself in every sort of praise or email that I send out. This is email, by the way. Um, uh, uh, this is my cat meme. Um, uh, that the message is, is, is never cliche. It's not contrived. It's not, it's not hollow. Um, there's specific praise in there for specific things. And there's also, especially when we're coming up with game plan, there's specific details and roadmaps and, and, and um, touch points in that roadmap of strategy that when we, when we hit this, you know, this destination, we then know we're making progress. Right. And, and that, that encourages everybody on that roadmap um, as opposed to guys, keep it up. We can make it right. Um, like, where are we going? How are we going to get there? How far away are we? Um, and I'm thirsty, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, so, so, you know, I say that sort of tongue in cheek, but it's the reality. Um, we all would like to know where we're going. Are we close? Are we far? If we're far away, you know, how long is it going to take and, and what do we need to do to get there? If we're close, uh, you know, you know, how close are we and, and what do we get when we get there? Right. So, I mean, there's just there's just a lot of those questions. And ultimately, for me, I, I try to lead and manage uh, in a way that I would like to be led and managed. How do you make sure that your team, and this can be like, let's just talk in terms of like an onsite team. How do you make sure that everybody is aware of where the bus is going, right? How do you make sure that everybody is, you know, is aware and, and knows and understands okay, this is the road trip, friends, and here's the final destination, and there's six stops, the whole thing, and you can only use the bathroom at one of them, okay? The rest are fast food stops, and we're going through the drive-thru. Well, it sounds like you may have kids. Um, I do have but, one. Uh, I have one. <laughs> I have three. It sounds like a, a, a dad road trip, um, but how, how do I do that in, in the real world and using the metaphor? Um, obviously, team meetings are important. But what, what I'll say to that, that's probably an easy answer. And, um, but I think the uniqueness of, of what 
I try to do and what good leaders I think try to do is I'm very present. Um, and when, in my presence, uh, we address issues that come up, right? So if you're present, you know, your team, and if they have that trusted relationship to where they can ask you questions, um, you can give them guidance, right? Um, kind of like a, a tour guide. Um, and, and that helps them guide them. Uh, that helps to guide them along the way to where we're going. Uh, and if you have questions about what the goal is, we'll tell you, right? What's the goal this week? What's the goal next week? What's the goal of the property, right? There's small goals, there's big goals, there's all sorts of goals. Um, the key is to have them attainable, but you can't achieve a big goal without a small goal, right? And it just, it just you just work your way. Um, but I, I do think the secret sauce, if I can give it away, uh, is, is, is being present, um, and, and, um, and, and being available, uh, at any time. And, and that cuts both ways because there's, uh, and I've recently had some experience, um, they're not with me at this stage, but, um, for some managers that didn't understand this, um, uh, they thought, why is my, why is my regional manager this available? That made me almost uncomfortable. Um, and those who don't get this sort of style of management are like, is this micromanaging? Mm -hmm. let, me, let me, let me tell you, I hate micromanagement and I hate to be that. So it, it's not micromanagement. It's yep. being, it's being present and it's being available. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you have, if you're a manager and you don't want your regional manager or your higher ups to be available, there may be some issue there that, that, that you're trying to hide. Um, and so, and so in my availability, um, I'm able to see, hear, listen, and really get a good, um, you know, check of the wind of, of, of what's going on on site. So I need, if I need to interject and encourage and, and motivate or direct or redirect, uh, I can. Um, and, um, and if I don't need to, or I just need to be your, your best cheerleader, then, then that's the role I'll play. So, you know, I think as a leader, you need to be ready and willing to wear any hat you need to, whether it be uh, the captain or the cheerleader, um, and do that willingly and accordingly to, to the situation. Tony, what does leading from behind mean to you? <laughs> um, I think... I've heard that term and I haven't really, I haven't really unpacked it or explored it, but to me, I would say that that means, uh, means being a good, a good leading follower, right? Mm -hmm. So not all of us are in the front of everything. I have supervisors that I trust that are seeing the road ahead of me. And so I would describe that most of us are, are leading from behind. Mm -hmm. um, there's not too many people leading directly in front of all things. Um, that sounds exciting and, and terrifying at the same time. Right. Um, there's always been somebody who's done it before. And I think that's you know why you surround yourself with good mentors and, mm -hmm. and, and people that care and have experience that that in essence is experience that they've been there before. But I think leading from behind to me is, is leading, uh, but following um, ahead because there's people behind you. There's people behind me uh, and there's people behind them. Right. And so, you know, knowing your role and where it is and, and leading to the best of your ability where you're at. 
Good answer. Good answer. It's an interesting concept for me. And I feel like I see it, you know, as a quote somewhere or on somebody's LinkedIn post every other <laughs> week. And uh, Hopefully it's not any of my spam. So. Yeah, right. Oh my Lord. And that's, that's a whole nother podcast episode. Let's talk about spam and multifamily, please. Um, but you know, it's, it is an interesting concept and one that I think about often only because I think that new leaders and people who have um, maybe received, maybe promotion is the right word or have just had, yeah, a new opportunity. That's a good word, a new opportunity that, and, you know, they've stepped into it and now they are they're responsible for, for, for lots of people on their bus, right? They have recently become the driver and the bus driver. you're the bus driver. And, um, you know, I, I think about it often because sometimes when people step into new roles like that, or, um, are experiencing an opportunity to do that for the first time, it's really easy to get stuck in the headspace of great. Well, this is my ship and I'm steering it. And you all are just on for the ride. And this is my, right. Like this is my, we, we jumped metaphors. there, not ship bus. This is my road trip and you're That's all right. just enjoying the view. Planes, trains, and automobiles for, you know, we're, however we're getting there. Right. Like, and are we all on the same vehicle? Like, are we, are we all going together? But I think it's easy to get caught up in the, no, well, this is, this is my bus and I'm steering it, but the real, um, you know, uh, power and leadership, I would argue is a, a balance of leading and following like you described. And can I be a good follower? Can I be a good listener? Can I, um, receive critical feedback? Can I take it? Can I improve? right? Based off of it. Can I also give it? Can I effectively give critical feedback? Do I understand um, how my team likes to be communicated with, how I expect them to communicate with me? Have we talked about those expectations? Are they aware, right? Am I, um, what, what is the, the quote goes like unspoken expectations are um, like um, uh, they're, they're, uh, the resentments, right? They're, it's disappointments, just waiting to brood, waiting to blossom because you haven't, you haven't set the expectation. You haven't communicated what you want and how you want to be communicated with and right. Just that whole concept. So it's interesting to me. I just thought I'd ask since we were talking about it. Um, so thank you for your feedback there. Hey guys, this is Caroline jumping in here real quick. First of all, thank you so much for checking out our podcast and tuning into this episode. I hope you are getting value from it. I hope that you are enjoying it. Uh, We are so thankful for the community that we've built that engages with this podcast and tunes in to hear what our guests have to say. So I just wanted to jump in real fast, say thanks, and then give you a couple of seconds on who we are um, since you did find our company podcast. Southwest Utility Solutions is a utility billing, utility management, and water conservation provider for people who own or manage multifamily communities. We do utility billing differently in the industry that we're all a part of. Um, We approach data differently. We approach problem solving 
differently. We approach utility revenue differently. It's something we're very passionate about, helping our property owners maximize their utility recovery and their utility revenue. For more information on what we do and who we are, feel free to reach out. Um, You can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm super active on there and I'd love to meet you. You can also visit our website to learn more at swutilitysolutions.com. Okay, guys, back to the episode. What does accountability mean to you, Tony? Let's shift a little bit to accountability. I want to talk for a couple of minutes on um, how do we empower our teams to, um, to accountability? How do we, how do we effectively motivate them to being held accountable? It's, it's a good thing to be held accountable. Um, Let's talk about that for a few minutes. Yeah. You know, accountability is a big part of the job. Uh, There's many, there's many uh, new managers and leaders that don't understand that um, accountability is, is actually uh, one of your greatest resources. Um, And and it also helps you set expectations very clearly, Mm. Um, but it also accountability uh, and why a lot of young managers that are people pleasers don't like to do it is because it takes a lot of courage, right? And so accountability means you have to go to someone that you like um, uh, and you don't want conflict with, but you know you have to talk to them and let them know they have to do something better or different. And you're nervous because you don't know how to say it. You don't know how they're going to take it. And so you build it up in your head to be such a big thing. You end up not doing it at all. Mm is what I see happens most. Yeah. And so those leaders that have the maturity, that have the experience and, and realize how important accountability is to the success of their people, uh, do it frequently, do it with kindness, do it with empathy, and always provide, when you can, the benefit of the doubt to your team. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you do it frequently and you know that your team, when you know that your team knows you will hold them accountable, frankly, they stay in line um, because they know items will be addressed um, as they need to. Now, if you're afraid of it or don't have the courage to do it or want to pretend it, you don't need to, um, your team is going to get away with a whole bunch of stuff. And your operation is going to be sloppy. Uh, the culture is going to be toxic. Um, there's just going to be a whole bunch of things that uh, are not going to go right. And again, the bus is going to have mechanical issues, right? So, um, so, so, but again, I think the reason why people don't do it is because of the things that we talked about early. It, it, it isn't that most don't agree that accountability is not a good um, uh, a good tool. It's how do I go about doing it? And it, you know what? It's a little easier if I just totally avoid the whole thing. Right, right. But it actually makes your job harder in the long run. 100% agreed. And I think that it starts with day one, right? I have to set the expectation and like, this is how you'll be held accountable. And these are the metrics. And while I'm 
also here to build a great relationship with you. And I want to be your biggest fan and support you and all of those good things. Um, I'm also going to hold you accountable. And, you know, I was recording an episode earlier for the same series. I was talking to actually a a community manager that I work with. She's one of my customers and uh, she was telling me her story and uh, Brittany is her name and she's fabulous. And she's, you know, we're talking about how she got started in the industry and how she's been in the industry for so long. And she's like, you know, actually I got started in the industry because I got fired twice and everybody said, you know, go check out multifamily. Like this feels like a great industry for you. Not because you've been laid off twice, but because your personality and, you know, so on and so forth. You can't get any, any other job, try multifamily. It's easy. Right. Like go, go be a, a, a leasing agent. You're going to be great. No, <laughs> but her point was, and what she followed that with was, you know, you can have great relationships with people. You can have great mentorship. You can have such a fruitful um, relationship with somebody and, and be led by them and, you know, so on and so forth and still receive, you know, critical feedback, discipline, accountability, um, that is negative and, and sometimes hard, like being laid off, right. Or, or being, um, assigned to a new role when maybe you weren't expecting it or right. Determining that this isn't, this isn't the right bus for you to be on, right? Like not only are you in the wrong seat, but you're on the wrong bus altogether. And, um, but I, you know, I, I think the point of that is, it takes tremendous courage to be able to deliver that type of feedback and to be bold and say, Hey, listen, um, I'm going to hold you accountable and we still are going to have a great relationship and I'm still here to support you and to encourage you and to empower you. But what we're doing right now is not working. It's not working. Um, it takes a very bold and courageous leader to your point, And it takes a coachable and receptive team member to receive it. And, um, you know, I think coachable is now a buzzword that I look for when I'm doing interviews. It's, are we, are we coachable? Do are how are we with feedback? Do we like feedback? Are we receptive? Keep, it, keep, keep in mind all, all your candidates are going to say, absolutely. They're coachable. Uh, I, I think, uh, I think a, a, a wrinkle to, to all of that uh, that I'd like to add is accountability goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for new bosses, they love to tell everybody what their expectations are and you'll listen to me and I'm going to hold you accountable. Right. Yeah. Um, but when your team, and I've had a few situations where this, they bring things to your attention that they need more from you as a supervisor and they have the courage to bring that to you without, you know, repercussions or, you know, fallout. Um, and you show them either in your actions that you're being defensive or you're willing to listen to them and you're willing to adapt or change based on their feedback because maybe they're right. That tells them more than you could ever tell them in an accountability session or anything else that it's like a parent, right? Morals are not taught uh, or morals are, are not taught, they're caught, right? So as, as a leader, if you're telling people to allow others to, hey, Caroline, you should let others hold you accountable. Are you coachable? Question is, are you, sir? Are, are you boss? Are you coachable? Are you, are you teachable? And if so, I'll see that. And in seeing that in you, 
I'll, if I admire you, I want to be more like you. And I'll also want to be coachable and teachable and, and held accountable. Um, I'll give you a story that may be interesting. Uh, a couple of years back, I did have a team come to me and they all, and I could tell something was heavy on their heart. Um, and they were underperforming at the time. And I was doing the, the, the usual uh, <laughs> uh, zoom in, Seagull come in and, you know, check it out. And sometimes, you know, crap on them and, and fly away. And, and, and I didn't, you know, I probably didn't do the crap part, but I, you know, I definitely zoomed in, right. I sort of flew in like, like a good regional and took a close look at what's going on and, and was doing that very frequently because in my opinion, they were underperforming. And this was a team that had been performing pretty well in the past and, and their whole team sort of surrounds me. I'm in the manager's office. And they're like, can we be honest with you about some things? Hmm. And, um, I'm like, sure, sure, you can. All right. This is this is the values that in, in my portfolio and in my company, right? We could always be honest. And they and they came to me and they said, We feel that you don't trust us and you're micromanaging us, and we'd like some space. Wow. Right. And so <laughs> now I'm the supervisor, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay. Um, first of all, I appreciated them for being courageous to tell me because yeah. I know, I know it took courage for them to tell their supervisor that type of feedback and they weren't wrong that I was doing those things. I did momentarily, I think, try to defend myself on, on why I was doing some of those things, but I quickly learned that, or I quickly thought in that moment they're kind of pouring their heart out to me and being honest. Why am I going to like use the big stick of, of I'm their boss and back them down and tell them I am all knowing. And this is why I'm zooming in. So I, I kept my, my sword in its holster and, you know, I listened and I said, because I respect all of you and I've hired most of you. Um, and ultimately we need to do a better job in some areas if this is what you're asking of me and you promise me that you're going to continue to work hard and focus on the things I'm asking, I'll give you the space you want. Hmm. And I went home that night. I actually was traveling. I was in a hotel and I thought this could be the worst decision I've ever done. This, this situation could get go from bad to worse by me sort of giving them space. And, and the following day, I, I gave them some space, I, you know, items and metrics and tasks um, they needed to get done. You know, I, I gave them some space to do it. Uh, a week went by, I gave them a little more space. Let me tell you, as a manager, we all think we know best. And to give that space was not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and all along the way, I thought, <laughs> I'm making a really bad decision here, maybe. Um, this could get really ugly. And after a week or so, I started to see sprouts, little stems of improvement, right? Little baby plants of improvement and responsiveness and tasks getting better and items being turned in more on time. And, and I, I wasn't sure what I was seeing. Uh, And I didn't want to believe it at first because all my instincts told me otherwise at that stage in my career, right? To, no, this can't be because of that. Um, This is just because they're, 
um, scared of getting in trouble or, you know, but the yep. more I gave them space, this isn't me like not talking to them ever again. Right. This is me just giving them grace uh, and space mm-hmm. and allowing them to make good on their promise to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the crazy story, let's make it long is it was probably the best managerial leadership decision I've ever made in my career that saw the best outcomes from completely counterintuitive efforts. Wow. Um, And so I look back on that experience. Obviously it's very memorable to me because this happened, you know, quite a few years ago, but I still remember it and almost remember it very, very crystal clearly um, that sometimes our instincts as managers aren't always right. And we have to go back to the point that I mentioned a while back is to really listen and question ourselves, not in a way that questions our confidence, but questions our methods or, or how we go about getting results. And really question, is that the best approach for this team, for this person? And if not, be creative and find a different way. Mm. Um, and so that's what, I love about being a leader and a manager in this business is that I'm constantly challenged to, to resolve age old problems and new problems in different creative ways. And I think my managers are really stimulated by the freshness uh, in the approach because it challenges them to remain fresh in their approach uh, to their teams. So um, sorry for the, the long-winded story. I thought it was impactful and it was was and has been to me in my career. Uh, no, thank you for sharing. I think um, it, your story is phenomenal. And the fact that you still reflect on it so many years later, I mean, truly there was something to be learned and there was wisdom that was gained and and now we all get to uh, enjoy yeah. the of that. So thank you. Appreciate it. Um, but you brought up a good point, right? You, you have to determine what works for the team that you're serving. You have to determine also what works for the team that you're leading and, and getting clear on fit and, um, you know, what they're receptive to, what you're receptive to. It's all very, very, very important. Um, so no, thank you for sharing that story. Um, Tony, I've got one more question for you and then we'll wrap. What is one piece of advice that you would give yourself start first starting out in the industry? What's one thing you know now that you wish you knew back then? <laughs> um, uh, you know, that's a hard one. I didn't prep that one. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of it, um, and it's not a bad thing. I mean, I, I think I'm genuinely trying to find a raw, real answer. Um, I mean, the thing that first comes to mind is be patient with yourself. Um, you know, I, I, I thought I could be a regional a year after I started in the business. Uh, I was wrong. Uh, but but I had, you know, a strong sense of self and self-confidence. And it was probably born more out of immaturity um, and lack of experience than anything. Um, but I, I found over the 15 years, I've, I've beaten myself up at times for not um, 
meeting the expectations I've had of myself throughout the process. Um, the timelines, the expectations, um, all of those things. And so what I would say to myself is, is enjoy what you do, be good at what you do, get really good at what you do, but also most importantly, be patient with the process and be patient, be patient with yourself. And, um, and that is what this old man would tell uh, a young, a young actor that thought he'd be Brad Pitt. I love it, Tony. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, your wisdom with us, your advice with us. There's so much to be learned from this episode. And, and I'm so thankful for you in our industry as um, a leader that we can all learn from. So thank you for being with us this afternoon. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And to everybody who's listening, I hope you took some good old notes and I hope you put them under your pillow tonight and you sleep on them and you commit them to memory because there is so much to uh, be learned from this episode. And Tony's story is not only powerful and multifaceted and with a background as diverse as his um, and, and ending up in this industry and, and having led as he has, uh, there really is so much to learn from and and I hope if, if you're a leader listening to this on the management side, the ownership side, or the supplier side like me, that you stop and you reflect and, and you really think about how am I leading my team? And, and am I present? Am I engaged? Am I, do I even know what their why is? Do I, do I really understand what's motivating them, why they're showing up every single day to work? And, and um, am I present? Am I, am I really present when I'm with them and, and am I leading effectively? So uh, thank you all for tuning in and listening. We're so thankful for the community that we have built uh, through this podcast. Uh, stay tuned for more as we continue our Tell Me Your Story series on the Solutions by Southwest Utility podcast available on all platforms. Podcasts are enjoyed on. Uh, stay tuned for more, guys. We'll talk soon. Bye.